Welcome to Hidden Voices, the podcast series which explores the less heard voices in health and social care. I'm Mel and I work for Healthwatch Essex. It's our job to make sure that people's experiences help to improve health and social care services. In this episode, we're talking about testicular cancer with Darren, a community engagement manager with the Robin Cancer Trust, and he also has his own lived experiences that he's going to be sharing with us today. Hi Darren, welcome. Hello It's great Mel. to have you here today. Thanks for having me. I wonder if you'd be um, able to share some of your, your experience with us, please. Yeah, certainly, yeah. So, um, cancer's always played a big part in my life. So when I was 19, um, sadly I lost both my parents to cancer. Uh, they died five weeks apart. Um, I remember my mum died 10 days before Christmas. And then five weeks later, sadly, my, my dad passed away as well from cancer. So I've always been very aware of cancer at a young age. I learned a lot about all different types of cancer, what to look out for, how to live a healthier life. Mm. Um, and then yeah, when I was 27, uh, I was in the bath uh, doing what most men do, uh, having a little wash and a, having a little fiddle around. Um, I, I was always always been checking for signs of testicular cancer because of what happened to my mum and dad. Yeah. Um, and I did find a lump. And confided in the wife and said oh I've got a lump down below you know probably just knocked it playing cricket or football because I was playing a lot of sport at the time mm-hmm. um, and she said no you need to get it checked out really you know what happened to your mum and dad you know just for peace of mind get it checked out so uh, I did go to the doctors but was fobbed off for about a year I reckon uh, with them saying that there was nothing wrong with me it's probably just a cyst nothing to worry about um, and it was only after going back several times and insisting that the lump was getting bigger and I was getting pain as well, mm. that they referred me to a urologist who instantly felt the lump and went, that is a tumour. Um, so after mm. blood tests and uh, an ultrasound scan, um, yeah, they confirmed it was testicular cancer. And probably within two weeks of being told it was more likely to be cancerous, had surgery to remove the testicle, um, and then waiting a few weeks to get the results back to definitely confirm it was testicular cancer. But mm. I was very, very lucky that it was a slow-growing tumour um, and it hadn't spread anywhere else. Because yes. uh, if it had been more aggressive, mm. I probably wouldn't be here now because of being fobbed off for, for around long, a year. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is a long time to wait and then you having to, to persevere in trying to get um, you know, second opinions or, or referrals. Yeah. It must be yeah. frustrating for you. Yeah, it was yeah. very, very frustrating. That's what I think that's what spurred me on to probably raise awareness. So I wonder, Darren, if you would be able to just to let me know a little bit more about the, the process of the different stages that you went through once you've been diagnosed, those, the medical aspects. Yeah, certainly, yeah. So I can well, I can remember it, even though it's 22 years ago, I can remember it well. So first off, when I got referred to the urologist, um, he obviously done a physical examination and felt that he said, I'm pretty certain that's a tumour there. So what, what they'll do is they'll do blood tests uh, because they they can do they can tell what's um, called tumor markers in the blood test. Uh, can't do it with every cancer. Certain cancers there's a raised level where they can actually indicate that there's um, tumor cells in the blood, and they can do that with testicular cancer. Mm-hmm. So they did a blood test um, that was raised, which said that yeah, it's more likely is a tumor. Uh, but then they send you for an ultrasound, um, which oh, I thought only pregnant women had an ultrasound. But yeah, um, but yeah, so they literally put the gel on the. On the uh, on the scrotum, uh, uh, got the ultrasound. After that, it was quite nice. To be fair, it was an experience. <laughs> so um, the chap who was doing the ultrasound can tell more or less straight away, and he did the ultrasound. I could see okay. it on the on the screen when they were doing it. He went, "There's the lump." He said, "It does look like a tumor." In my years of experience, so yeah, I, I'll let the urologist know. So they let the urologist know. Within two weeks, I was on the 
operate the theatre. So uh, they don't take just the lump away, they take the whole testicle away, um, and they don't go in through the scrotum either. They actually cut you through the groin, uh, and they go downwards, um, because uh, they, there's a lot of tubing that they need to work on as well and mm -hmm. sort out. And also, they want to make sure it hasn't like, spread upwards as well, so certain lymph nodes that are, that are down that area. Um, so yeah, probably about four weeks recovery after surgery, because they, you know, they stress it is major surgery. We've cut you quite mm -hmm. severely across the groin. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, four weeks to recover. Uh, then I went back for the results. Um, I can remember the doctor saying, although I, I had a feeling, I knew it was testing the cancer, but obviously until they get the results, but they can't 100% confirm mm. it. I knew he was going to say it was testing the cancer because I sat in the room with him and he moved the box of tissues closer to me and I knew then that he was going to say, but I think he was surprised by my reaction because he said, Darren, it is testing the cancer. I went, right, come on then, let's sort it out, let's kick its ass. I think he was expecting me to be quite emotional and break down, but yes. I was quite a matter of fact. I'm like, well, come on, let's sort it out. Let's mm. what, what we got to do. Uh, luckily, he said it hadn't spread. So that's what I said earlier. Although I'd been fobbed off for a year, it was a slow growing tumour. Mm. Um, it hadn't spread anywhere else. However, back then, the treatment's different now, but they give you chemotherapy as a backup. So they do chemotherapy just in case there's an mm. old road cancer cell that's escaped from the confined area. Yes. Um, so I, yeah, I, I was very lucky. I only had one round of chemotherapy. Um, didn't lose my hair. Yeah, I felt sick and tired after it, but mm. you know, I don't. I didn't go through as much as some people have to go through. Um, yeah, I had the chemotherapy. Then it was three month follow ups appointments uh, for probably for about a year. Then it went to six monthly for another year, and then it went to yearly. Uh, and to be fair to them, even when it got to the five years of them monitoring me, looking after me, mm. they said because of your mum and dad's history. Well, well, if you're happy with it, we will look after you still for for another five years. Mm. I wasn't actually wasn't officially discharged until after twelve years after diagnosis. So they were really good to me. They looked after me. They kept doing scans on a yearly basis to yeah. make sure everything was all in order and that, and yeah. that my health was fine. That must have um, been quite reassuring. Very reassuring. Yeah, yes. yeah. So you know, it was great. I got to the five year magic mark where and and come back or anything. Mm. But I must stress there is an increased risk if a man's had tested for cancer once. 12 to 18 times more likely to come back in the other one. So there is an increased risk for a man who's already had testicular cancer. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's, that, was, that, that was that reassurance that they were looking after me. Um, yes, you know, yeah. Don't get me wrong, I did become a bit of a hypochondriac in the early days. I think anyone that goes through cancer mm. does. You know, I had the slightest pain in the back or a lump that I felt anywhere else. Oh my God, cancer's come back. It's natural to feel like that. You know, then you go to your doctors or you have your checkup and the doctors are fine, reassured. No, it's not. It's it's a cyst or the pain in your back is because you played football at the weekend, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or yes. you played cricket at the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Just normal aches and pain. Got out of that now, really grown out of that now. But in the first probably two or three years, it's yeah. very natural to become a bit of a hypochondriac. Yeah, it's about very, things. Yeah, very understandable though. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's a time also when needing that extra little bit of emotional support, whether that's from friends or family or other support groups at the time where it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because you can ask that question. You know, if you're in a support group of men who's been through testicular cancer, you can go, oh, I've got a lump actually in the in the area where they removed the mm -hmm. testicle. I think it's come back. And then, you know, they all come back. It's not a scar tissue. You know, and then you yes. go to doctors, get, yeah, it is, it's scar tissue. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, you get that reassurance from a lot of lads that have that have been through it as well in these support groups, yeah. Mm. So um, At that time when you heard the news, if, if I may ask, um, was someone else with you? Was your wife with you? Or any other family member when the urologist gave you the news, delivered the news that, yes, you had testicular cancer? Um, the first time, so when I first saw him for him to do the initial examination, when he said, oh, I think it probably is testicular cancer. No, I was on my own then. Because um, uh, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting that. You know, I went. I went and got a referral for him to, to fill and probably go. Yeah, that's a cyst, but obviously it wasn't. 
Um, and I can remember ringing the wife up and, um, you know, I, I did break down at that point. I did. I went back to work. I was working for a bank at the time. Went back to work, told my manager, broke down. Then I phoned the wife, um, broke down again. Uh, she was quite strong, although I found out later on that she didn't cry on the phone to me. She broke down mm. afterwards when she told her mum mm. the news. Um, but my first thoughts were, I, I'd seen what cancer had done to my mum and dad. You know, mm. I, I assumed it was a death sentence for me. You know, when you get, to, you just hear those words, you've got mm. cancer. Uh, and then I can remember distinctly seeing the, the my consultant speaking, but I couldn't hear his words. Because as soon as he said, you've got cancer, I switched off. I was thinking, oh my God. And I could see his mouth moving, but nothing was coming out. Oh, well, it was, but I couldn't hear nothing. Because yes. I was yeah. processing what he'd said. And I think my first thoughts were, because I had two young children at the time. I had uh, Leah, who was, oh, she was five and Charlie was three. Um, so I think my first thoughts were, Oh my god! I'm not gonna, not gonna. T who's gonna take my daughter to her first prom? It's not gonna be me. So I'm not gonna be here. Who's gonna take Charlie to watch his first Spurs game? Not me. Because I'm not gonna be here. So that was my first initial thoughts. Um, because you know I'd seen what he'd done to my mum and dad. My mum and dad missed me getting married. They didn't see my kids being born. Didn't see their grandchildren growing up. They'd missed a hell of a lot. And that's what I thought was gonna happen to me as well. But you know, thankfully, when you start talking to people and they reassure you that. No, you're going to be fine. Mm. You know, it hasn't spread anywhere else. Yes. Very, very treatable cancer as well if it hasn't spread anywhere else. Um, then you start having a different outlook on life. And that's when I went back after surgery and he gave me the definite results and went, it is cancer. That I went, come on, let's sort it out. Let's kick his yeah. ass. Yeah. You know, I had a completely different outlook on it. Yes. And, and also yeah. at that time, I was also thinking, right, I want to do awareness. I want to do campaigns. I want to share my story to help others. You know, I'm not going to keep quiet about this as well. Because yeah. I... As soon as I had my surgery, hey, um, and got through my recovery, I wrote off loads of letters. Um, it was letters back then, but I had no yes. emails. Yeah, because <laughs> it was back in two thousand. Well, there was emails, but I didn't really use them. It was two thousand and one that I was diagnosed when I was twenty-seven. Mm. I, I sent off loads of correspondence to lots of cancer charities to offer my services to share my story and be like a media volunteer. Mm. Uh, you know, so for example, during Testicular Cancer Awareness Month or Men's Health Month, a lot of the cancer charities would look for someone who's been through tested the cancer to share their story for a newspaper or a magazine and I did quite a lot of that for quite a few cancer charities. That's amazing. At the time, yeah. And that's great. You had that strength and that drive to be able to do that and maybe kind of help channel those emotions. Yeah. Definitely helped because I, I, I was focusing on something while I was recovering. You know, I was writing these letters to the cancer charity saying, look, this is what I've been through. I'd love to share my story. And that, yeah. Yes. I think probably out of about eight or nine that I wrote to, I'd probably say six or seven got back to me. Saying that you know they'd love to have me as a media mm. volunteer, yeah. So, but, yeah, that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Well, you, you touched on um on the surgery side of it. May I ask also what so post surgery when are there options of maybe testicular implants? That you, was that something that you might have considered or? Yeah, it was offered to me. I did consider it. I mean, so um they don't offer it at the time of surgery. They offer it to you afterwards. Um, so I remember, yeah, when I went back from the results, the consultant said, look, you know, you can have a false testicle put in. Well, you know, is that something you'd like? And I thought, I was married. I'm not playing the field. I'm, I'm a married man. So what's the point of having two again? Yeah, it's like, no, I, 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 didn't, I didn't opt for a false one, you know. And to be fair, you know, I stand in front of the mirror. Yeah, it does look, you can see that there's not one there, but it makes no difference at all with regards to your sex life. I can understand if a man's single and he's playing the field and looking for a partner, he might want to balance himself back up again and have a false one put in, mm. but no, I didn't. I wasn't offered that. But I do know that if you are offered it, you go back later on. It's a very simple procedure. Mm. They put a false testicle in, 
uh, and, and they just monitor you for a while afterwards to make sure that everything's all okay. Yeah, yeah. It didn't make, I asked the wife, do you want me to have a false one? She said, no, not at all, it doesn't make any difference. So, That's it's yeah. all good. So yeah. you've got a very supportive wife at home. Yeah, it's yeah. It's a big help, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. So and you mentioned that you you try to reach out and share your, your story, your experiences with other charities and media organisations. What was the uptake of that? What was the interest? Re- really good. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was um, you know, it's back then we're going, you know, we're going back 22 years now mm. when I was diagnosed. There wasn't a lot of awareness around back then. Um, not as many testicular cancer charities as there is now. Mm. Um, not as many support groups. Um, there was one chap I reached out to, uh, uh, and I'm still friends with him to this day, a chap called Philly Morris, who run a, a support group for testicular cancer um, um, patients. So I um, had a chat with him because when you when I was diagnosed, um, and it's a big thing for a man to lose a testicle as well. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that it's that sort of a manly sort of. Oh, you know, I've got two testicles. I've only got one now, and yeah, you know, can, you know, am I still going to be looked at in the same by the wife? Can I still have sex? Stuff like that. It's all them sort of questions. So, yes. and you think you're the only person in the world that's going through it at the time as well, but you're not. Mm. So reaching out to this chap called Philly and chatting to him and um, saying, look, you're not the only one. There's 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 a mm. lot of us out there, and just sort of getting my concerns across and him answering saying. I've been through that as well. I'm not the you're not the only one. Yeah. Really did help, um, and it helped sharing my story as well. So talking about it. So when a lot of the cancer chats said, "Yeah, well, absolutely love you on board," um, and I was probably doing three or four probably newspapers or magazines a year for uh, for quite a few years um, mm-hmm. sharing my story. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I think because I'd lost my parents to cancer, and then a few years later I got cancer myself. Um, they sort of saw that as a you know a very human element story there. Um, and people yes. would read that story, um, and, and it just helped. I mean, me talking yeah. about it and um, shouting it from the rooftops yeah. was 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 a big big factor in um, dealing with it mentally as well, uh, not just physically, but dealing yeah. with it mentally. Because oh, you know, I speak to a lot of chaps now that go through it and they bottle it up, mm. and it's not good. So mm. I, I'm all a firm believer that you know, please talk and be open about it. And yeah. I don't mind shouting from the rooftops that I've only got one testicle. It does, doesn't bother me at all because. Mm. You know, it just I, it opens a, it's a bit of an icebreaker. It opens a conversation with people, uh, and then I can just tell them about my story and, and the awareness stuff that we do. So, and as you yeah. say, way back then there wasn't the vast amount of support that there might be available now. No, but so even for you, that was um, a good form of personal support for you. Just yeah, the fact definitely. that you could then help educate, spread the word. Yeah, yeah, so and, then, and yeah, you. since that because then I sort of getting getting the word out that you know people used to see me in, in a newspaper or a magazine. I, I've TV shows as well where I'd go on to like I don't know what it was called back then but it was, I think it's called GMTV now yeah yeah, I think it's all, yeah yes. I've done the one show as mm-hmm. well I did Lookie so I've done a lot of stuff but that's helped because people remember me now as like oh Darren from Clapton with one ball yeah. and if they know anyone that's been diagnosed with testicular cancer they immediately put them in touch with me uh, mm-hmm. so I can just basically support them and just chat to them really and answer any questions they might have so yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been it's been a massive plus for me mm-hmm. um and it just feels good giving back as well to, to the community, you know, helping others as well that are going through it. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot, lot to be said for it. Yeah. And I'm lucky because I'm interviewing a superstar, so uh, a <laughs> <laughs> celebrity, so lucky for me. And when you say, you know, you've done such a great job in, in getting out there and, and and helping to educate, but how has that been received by people that, that might almost find it a hurdle to try and get over maybe the embarrassment or the stigma of, as you were saying, that, that sense of maybe feeling slightly emasculated? Yeah. How's that been received by people? Uh, absolutely fine. Yeah. I mean, I have so I'll use humour. So I use humour to raise awareness. And, you know, and I stress to people, look, 
cancer's not funny. We know it's not funny. You know, I lost both my parents, so I've been through it as well. You know, I had to have surgery, I had to have some chemotherapy. It's, it's not nice. However, when it comes to talking to men about testicular cancer and checking their, their balls, mm. I feel that we need to use a bit of humour first, break the ice, have a bit of a laugh, and then deliver the serious message. So all my awareness campaigns have used humour uh, in them to, to, to get the message across, and it's been received really well. You know, a lot of people, especially when I do talks in schools, colleges, or companies, I'll get the feedback that the way you deliver it is, is spot on because, mm. yeah, it, it's funny, but it's also engaging, but you also get the seriousness across and also the emotional side of it across as well. Mm. So I feel it's a good combination using a uh, bit of humour as well yeah. to get the message across. And Yeah, I've not, not had anyone ever say to me, what you're doing is wrong. Uh, they just say it's a refreshing way to, to spread the awareness yes. message. Yeah. And a brilliant way, as you say, it's a, a great icebreaker, isn't it? I imagine if you're going into schools and asking for students to name all the variety of various different names they might use. Um, I can imagine it's probably a brilliant icebreaker. Yeah, it definitely um, is, yeah. You know, I've, getting the feedback from the students and the teachers afterwards is, you know, they don't want their students just, they don't want someone at the front of the class talking for 45 minutes and not engaging with the mm -hmm. students. So, yeah, always shout, say to students, shout out different names for testicles and we get some crackers. Yeah, we do get some really, really interesting ones, yeah. And uh, and I do a quiz as well during my talks. So we do a quiz. So, for example, um, it's based on true or false, but it's, instead of it being true or false, it's called true or bollocks. So the kids have to shout out true or they have to shout out bollocks. And yeah. we split them into two teams. Uh, they There's a great prize at the end of the quiz as well. We they, The winning team gets to choose someone in the room to come up and perform a testicle check. And they mm -hmm. think, oh my God, we can stitch one of our friends up here or one of our yes. teachers. Yeah. Uh, they're gonna have to drop their trousers, but it's not. We obviously we have a testicle model, you know, a prosthetic model that they they show us how they would check their testicles on, mm. uh, but they don't know that at the time. So they're really engaged with the quiz. They listen to it. They want to win it, so they listen to it. They want to really, really win because they want to stitch one of their. They normally get a teacher up, one of the male teachers to come up, yeah. and uh, yeah. So it's it's yeah. And then I share my story towards the end because none of them know that I'm a testicular cancer survivor. So once I've done, delivered the talk, we've done the quiz, and we've, they've learned how to check their testicles and the signs and symptoms, mm. I then deliver the message that the reason I'm so passionate about talking about bollocks is because I've been through yeah. it. And then I share some of my experiences of some of the awareness campaigns I've done, and mm. you know, which is you know, some are quite rude, some are quite near the mark, what I've done, um, but they love it because it's just being down to earth. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, so it definitely, definitely works. And yeah, using humour has been yeah. always been well received. It's brilliant yeah. and very clever at the same time, isn't it? it's just very, a very clever way to get um, students a bit to yeah, be engaged no, yeah, yeah. And, and just to cut back on that cut through that embarrassment and the stigma um even to the point where you say you bring in you know equipment in so it's you know a model of and it, and it feels like it so they've actually really can it's really interactive isn't it they can really yeah. feel what it's like and um you know as opposed to death by powerpoint they can actually you know get hold and feel something and yeah. that's that's great education Definitely. within itself, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, the great, the great thing about these prosthetic models is they've actually got lumps in them. Oh, yeah. So they can actually feel what, you know, instead of me just saying, oh, lads, look, check for lumps. It's like, yes. well, this is what a lump feels like. Mm. You know, so they actually get to feel the prosthetic model mm. and feel what an actual lump feels like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's great. I love doing talks. I really enjoy going into schools, colleges or companies and doing talks. Yeah, yeah. I bet they re they welcome it as part of their um, their syllabus. Yeah, I get invited back every year now to, 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 to a lot of schools. So when they get a new influx of sixth form students or a new influx of year seven students, I go back each year now and, and talk to them, yeah. Hmm. yeah. If you could share some info about your um, awareness campaigns, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, no worries, Thanks. yeah. So um, as I said earlier, I, like, I wanted to use humour in, in a lot of the awareness raising. So um, I think the first thing I did 
uh, well, I did two basically. I did it, did it all in 2008. So it was seven years after my diagnosis um, that I did my first big campaign. I decided to, I wanted to do a tour around England visiting place names that had reference to the male genitalia. So any towns or village that had cock, nuts, ball, prick, willy, or anything to do with the male genitalia in their village or town name, okay. wanted to tour it. Yeah. So yeah. sat down with my best mate at the time, Richard Miller. Uh, we, we had a plan of action. We basically said that well, what we'd do is we'd go around in a branded car, and we was very lucky that a local Mercedes dealership in Colchester lent us a Mercedes for two weeks and got it all branded up with, um, it was called the Testicle Tour at the time. Yeah. And I had slogans on there like honk, honk, your, honk your horn if you think this car looks the nuts. Yeah. And it had some yeah. of the towns and villages we were visiting on there. Um, and we probably had about 75 planned. And we would take two great big pink testicles with us, two great big pink balls. Mm. They're basically gym balls with pink fairy covers on. Yes. Um, and we'd get our photo done with every town or village sign that we visit with the two big, big pink balls in the photo. Um, and it raised a lot of awareness. It's never been done before. Mm. Um, we did a two-week tour, visited 75 place names. Some of the, some of the place names are Bellend. There is, yes. there's a Bellend in Worcestershire. Down the road from Bellend, there's a little village called Licky End oh. as well, yeah. <laughs> you got Cockermouth, uh, Prickwillow, uh, Bull's End. Um, there's a great one for testing the cancer, actually, awareness in Gloucestershire. There's a little village called Lower Swell. Yeah, which is, yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, so we went there. I can't remember every village, there's, there was lots we went to. Um, and uh, like some tour, it really does. It was Seven really good. We, we spoke to lots of people on route. Uh, and the best bit of all is halfway through the tour, this morning got in touch from ITV and said, We're seeing what you're doing. Uh, would you like to come on the show and talk about why you're doing it? Yeah. And also, would you like to carry out a live self examination on national telly? Which I said, Absolutely. Because the whole point of me doing this was to break the stigma yep. uh, of it being an embarrassing illness because it's mm. not, and to say to men, look, do not be embarrassed, mm. we need to talk about it a lot more. We need to be like women. You know, women are so good with their health, they talk about it all the time. You know, it's in, in women's magazines, it's women's TV programmes, they talk about it when they meet for a coffee. You do, that's right. All us blokes chat about is football, basically, yeah, and cars, yeah, so we need to talk about it a lot more. So, yeah, so I went on this morning with my mate Richard, we spoke about what we was doing. Uh, they rolled the two big pink testicles across the screen as well which was great um and they said right we'll do your live examination now uh, so uh, literally i did drop my trousers and carry out a live self-check i was the first ever testicular cancer survivor to do that on itvs this morning because they normally get a male modeling to do it mm -hmm. but they wanted someone who's been through it something mm -hmm. real to actually get the message across and do you know what it did it, it worked because two weeks after the after that went out i had a chap get in touch who said i saw you on the telly i've never checked my testicles before I did check them and I found a lump, went to the doctors and it is cancer, but they've called, I've called it early. Gosh, he said, yeah. so if it wasn't for you, he said, I might not be here to this day. And we're yeah. still friends to this day, which Are is, yeah. I've always said, if I can save one bloke's life doing the stuff that I've done, it's, it's worth all it the effort. It makes it all in. worthwhile, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, so really yeah, are. so that was one of me, I've done a lot more campaigns. Do you want to hear more? Yes, please yeah, tell, <laughs> tell us more, please. So I've wrote a book about an experience called One Lump or Two, which is uh, available to download on Amazon as an e-book. That's a, uh, very laddish, baldy, in-betweener type humour about my story, um, which is which has raised a lot of awareness. That's gone, I think it's been bought in America, Australia, Mexico. So yeah, get a lot of people getting touched saying, oh, I've read your book about it. And it's, you know, it's, it's funny, but yeah. also emotional because there is a whole chapter in there about my mum and dad as well. A lot of it's not true. The wife read it and went, 
I never did that. I never said that. I said, you know, it's poetic license. It when you're yes. when you're an author, darling, yeah. you have poetic license. I said, yeah. So, uh, deserve, but yeah. most of it is true. Yeah, it's just a few things to make it a bit more funny in there. Um, I've done a tour around London with about 80 people. So a lot of them were fellow testicular cancer survivors, their friends and family. We all walked around London with a great big pink testicle each. Uh, and that was very interesting. That was got a lot of attention because we'd, we'd walk along and people were like, Oh my god, there's like 60 testicles coming towards us down Oxford Street. What are you guys doing? And it gave us a chance to stop and talk to people as well. Um, I've done penalty shootouts at football grounds with, but instead of using a football, we've used the big pink testicles to ball. Mm. We get people to come on at half time. So I've done Colts United, Cambridge, Millwall, and a few smaller clubs as well. Um, I've done runs with it on my back. So I do 5k runs with the big testicle on my back as well. I've climbed Snowden, mm. uh, it'll be my 11th year this year, climbing Snowden with the big testicle on my back as well. Oh, and again, that helps because people go, have you just climbed a mountain with a testicle on your back? And I go, yeah. And I go, why? But then it breaks the ice so I can deliver the message. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. But I think one of the biggest things I did to date was back in 2010, I set the original Guinness World Record for the biggest gathering of men checking their testicles at the same time in a public place. Yeah, yeah. so I did that down in Clacton at the shopping centre, the village, the shopping village. Yes, yeah. So, um, yeah, Guinness said to me, look, there's no such record. However... If you get a minimum of 200 men and you adhere to all the guidelines, get it all properly done by a professional person and you know it's all filmed as well and you provide all the evidence, then you can have the first ever Guinness record in that section. And I did, yeah. Good so you, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Well, sadly, I don't hold it anymore. But I set the I set the record because my view was, I hope someone breaks it because then they'll raise awareness. And and that was exactly what happened. So yeah. a friend of mine in America, who's who's also a fellow one baller, as we call ourselves, the one ball group. He said, can I break your record down? I went, absolutely, go for it. I want you to break it because you'll spread awareness in your hometown. And he did. So he broke it in 2017. Mm. And we are looking to get it back soon. We do want it back in the UK. Yeah. Yeah, kind of, kind of the Americans hold it for much longer. I like that competitive spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that sounds a challenge, yeah. a challenge on the near horizon. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, so yeah, done lots of stuff. I try, I try and do stuff that's not been done before. Try and use a bit of humour. Uh, but it works because it does raise a hell yes, of a lot does. of awareness. Did yeah. I read recently that um, some testicles have been sent up into space as part of your um, charity? Robin Cancer Trust, yeah, Toby, the, is the CEO and, and brother of Robin, who, who they set the charity up for, mm. yeah, he did send some uh, prospective testicles up into space mm. a few years back. Yeah, so I think that's probably the, the highest uh, altitude that a pair of testicles has ever gone. Yeah, so yeah, space balls, yeah. he called them. Space yeah, space balls, balls. yeah. certainly sounds like yeah. another record right there, doesn't it? <laughs> Well, yeah. Congratulations on your book as well. Thank you. Yeah, cheers. And yeah. I'm glad you um, you shared that link so that the people that are, are interested that they can also um, purchase that. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. just go on Amazon, search one lump or two. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you'll see it on there. So it's yeah, you know, it's if you if you're easily offended, perhaps don't read it. <laughs> perhaps yeah, because it is quite raw and laddish, bawdy humour. Mm. Yeah, but that's that's me. Yeah, yeah that's and, um, me. and yeah. that's that's what matters, isn't it? And that's what um. What, what people are interested in just getting to those hard gritty um truths or or the humorous side of yeah, it yeah yeah definitely yeah you know and i think that's what the robin cancer trust does as well uh their, their campaign is called talking bollocks mm. and for the ovarian cancer side of things it's called not overreacting mm. which is like we've done they're not overreacting yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> um you know because that's the robin cancer trust you know they are they are the uk's germ cell cancer charity so they raise awareness of testicular and ovarian cancer, as well as providing support to people that are newly diagnosed with with those types of cancer as well. Mm. So, you know, their 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 language of getting the awareness message is very near the mark. You know, they use the word bollocks. They've got other names mm. for testicles on the website on some of our pull up banners. 
you know, when I do the talks in schools, we talk about different names for testicles. So, yeah, we're not we're not afraid to to be near the mark, you know, because it helps. It gets the message across. You know, let's let's um, let's not shy away from what testicular cancer is. You know, it, it, it can kill you if you don't pick it up mm -hmm. early. So let's get the message across to young lads in particular in a way that they're going to engage, remember the message. And if we have to, you keep you saying the word bollocks, let's do it. You know, if they're yes. going to remember it, it saves their lives. Yes, it's just going it's to help break thing. that stigma, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. And that's the all-important thing. Break yeah. the embarrassment and, um, yeah, help educate people. Yeah, def definitely, yeah. So it's definitely. all amazing stuff, it really is. Thank you, yeah. Cheers. Yeah, we're very proud of what we do at the Robin Cancer Trust, yeah. 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 Oh, so I've got an idea. Obviously, we spoke about that I do lots of talks in schools, colleges, and part of the talk is I do a quiz based on true or false, which is called true or bollocks. How would you feel if I... Tested you on a couple of the questions. Okay, Darren, let's go for it. I've had an extra coffee. So yeah, what I'll do, Mel, is I'll, I'll, I'll ask you a question and you literally just have to say true or bollocks. So uh, are you ready? Sounds good. Yeah, okay, right, so uh, uh, my, one of my questions will be, um, I'm not gonna ask them all, because be, we'll be here all day, but, um, so I say to the, the people in the, in the quiz, the best time to check your testicles is before a warm bath or shower. True or bollocks? I'm going to say bollocks because it's my understanding that you should do it after a warm bath. Correct. Oh. Well done, Mel. Yeah, and that is that. Yeah, that one word in that sentence before makes the answer bollocks mm. because you're right. Uh, men should be checking their testicles either during or straight after a warm bath or shower. Should be doing it once a month. Yeah, mm. and the reason it's we say a warm bath or shower is because the warm water relaxes everything down below and it makes it so much easier for a man to basically check for any lumps or bumps or irregularities, basically. Yes. Yeah, so well done. One out of one so far, yeah. <laughs> um, right, let's have a look. At, um, around 4,000 men are diagnosed with testicular cancer each year in the UK. True or bollocks? True. Ah, it's bollocks. Is it? Yeah, do you think the actual figure's higher or lower? So the question was 4,000 men are diagnosed each year. 50-50 guess. I'm going to say the number would be more, a larger number. It's actually lower. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's actually lower. Yeah, so okay. there's around 2,400 men get diagnosed every year in the UK with testicular cancer. Mm. So it's a very rare mm. form of cancer. Mm. However, it's a cancer that's, um, that's quite common in young men. So that's why you know, that's why we do the talks. Yes. We go to schools and colleges and that. Mm. But yeah, a lot of people are surprised by that answer. They think it's a lot more. But it is a rare form of cancer. But we must stress, and I keep saying this to everyone, mm. It's the most treatable cancer out there. Of all the 200 cancers out there in the world, if this one's caught early, uh, you know, it's around 96% cure. So it's very, very treatable. Uh, yeah. So rare, but, you know, lads need to be educated on it and because if they catch it early, they'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, that's a yeah. great statistic, isn't it? 96% yeah. cure rate. Yeah, so definitely, yeah. Really um, my last question to you is, if a father or son has had testicular cancer, yeah, uh, there's an increased risk factor of four to eight times of a male relative, i.e. the son or a brother of that person getting testicular cancer. I'm going to go for true. Um, and if that is correct, I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about that, that if it is, there is a greater risk, if I'm right, that is. You are right. It is true. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so if, a man, yeah, if a man's had testicular cancer, his son or brother is four to eight times more likely to get testicular cancer. So it's a small risk, it's not a massive risk, but there is a small increased risk. So yeah, so I'd like to think that if a man's had testicular cancer, his son or his brother would be aware of it and would become more aware of checking their cells and what to look out for as well. Um, it's not always the case, a lot of men don't talk about it and keep it hidden, but you'd like to think that if a man's had it, that he would, that his son or his brother would know about it and they would then think, right, I need to check myself on a monthly basis 
regular as clockwork in the bath or shower and to look out for the signs and symptoms. Mm. Yeah, because there is a small increased risk. Um, so yeah, there is a small increased hereditary risk there. Yeah. yeah but only for a son uh, or brother. Mm. Yeah, not not like an uncle or a grandfather. It's, it's son or brother. Just that yeah, son or brother. Oh, yeah. That's good yeah. knowledge, and thanks for sharing that. Yeah, no that's, yeah. that's good awareness. Yeah. If you were to give one piece of advice for someone who might be listening into this podcast, who has um, some signs and, and symptoms of testicular cancer or other cancers that, that you know your your charity educates about the ovarian cancer and the, the germ cell cancer what would your advice be for someone that is feeling maybe a little bit nervous about reaching out to, for some support um i mean first yeah first bit of advice would be that well, first of all i'd say to that person great that you're actually checking and that you've you know you're, you're aware of the signs and symptoms that's that's the first mm-hmm. step but the second step is do not ignore anything. You know, we, we stress in the Robin Cancer Trust that every person knows their own body best. They know if something's not right for them or something's unusual for them. Yeah. You know, so please, please, please go to the doctors and get it checked out. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for lads, you know, there's that embarrassment about dropping their trousers and that. Do not be embarrassed, gents. The doctors have seen all shapes and sizes over the years. They're professionals. They're not going to laugh. Yeah, uh, that's the mm-hmm. wife's job yes. to laugh when I drop my trousers, but it's not for the doctors to do that. It's, you know, they are there to help you. Um, mm-hmm. And we also stress if you're not happy with what they've told you, seek a second opinion. You know, mm-hmm. please, please, please do not let embarrassment kill you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, that's what it boils down to. If you yes. do not get something checked out and it turns into cancer, you know, and you leave it, it, it will kill you. So, you know, testicular cancer is one of the most curable cancers out there if detected early. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 96% curable if, if you catch it early mm. uh, but as we know of all cancers any type of cancer the earlier you catch it the prognosis is so much better mm. so yeah that would be my advice is is do not be embarrassed get it checked out you know your own body best if you're not happy seek a second opinion yeah that's yeah. sound advice Darren it really is and as you say we know our, our body's best so it's you know what's normal for you exactly and something that, that seems different yeah exactly yeah yeah definitely I mean, my, you know, I, I, I went to the doctors. I found my lump quick. Mm. Sadly, back then, it's, it's different to what it is now. I was, I was fobbed off for quite a while, mm. uh, but I persisted. Um, and in the end, you know, thankfully got a second opinion, got referred and got it all sorted out. Um, I suppose I've just mentioned the signs and symptoms. I haven't even mentioned them, have I, during this podcast? So, gents, this is the five signs and symptoms you should be looking out for when having a feel of your testicles every month in the bath or shower straight after. Uh, lumps is the most common sign to look out for. Uh, when we say lumps, that's lumps either attached to the testicles or inside the testicle. Just to give you some context, when I found my lump, I was squeezing gently my testicle and it was right in the middle. So it wasn't on the outside, it was actually right in the middle. Um, swelling is another is another factor to look out for. So if one of your testicles swells up, uh, becomes quite massive, unlike West Ham. Oops, sorry, I had to get that in there for all you West Ham supporters. Yeah, uh, so if it swells up, again, that's a concern, get that checked out. Uh, any pain, any pain down below. I had pain with my lump as well. Pain is an alarm bell with anywhere you get pain in your body, you should get it checked out. But, you know, if you get pain in your testicle area or in your scrotum, get it checked out as well. Um, a feeling of heaviness is another sign or symptom. And what I mean by that is I don't mean... For example, that you wake up one morning and one of your testicles is 25 stone in weight. It's a feeling of heaviness, so it feels like it's dragging. Mm. So you wake up, you think, oh, God, it just feels like it's dragging downwards. Again, get that checked out as well. And hardness. So if you're feeling your testicles and one feels really hard like a rock or a stone, uh, again, get that checked out. So they are the five signs and symptoms, gents. You know your own body's best. 
you know what's right for you and what is unusual for you. If you're feeling on a monthly basis, you will pick it up. Yeah, do not do it six monthly or yearly because if you do it yearly, for example, uh, and you check your testicles one year and they're fine, you go back a year later, you check them and think, oh my God, there's a lump there. That could have been there nine, 10 months. Yeah, that's why it's important you do it monthly because you can act upon that, any changes really, really quickly. Yeah, thanks for, for sharing and for helping to educate us all. For the second part of our podcast, we're going to ask you to play a game, full disclosure, and it's a chance for you to answer a series of quick fire questions. I've got a deck of cards in front of me here and each one has a question. So when you're ready, grab a card at random and you get a chance to answer the question. Excellent. Oh, if you could go back in time, when and where would you go? You want me to answer that straight away? Yeah, I'm putting you on the spot there, aren't I? Cool, blimey, that's a, that's a really interesting one. Um, I suppose I would, oh, I'd probably go back in time to, um, probably just before my parents died, I reckon. Mm. Yeah, and uh, so I'd go, just be at home, uh, and uh, just sort of, um, yeah, just tell, just chat to them, do more stuff with them, and that, that's that's probably one of the biggest regrets I had in life. That, and I'm sure anyone that loses someone close to them is, oh, I wish I'd done this, could have done this more, done this. So yeah, I think I'd go back in time to just probably a year before they passed away, yeah. do lots more stuff with them, talk to them a lot more, tell them what my plans were for the future. Mm. Yeah, that's probably what I would do. Great yeah. answer. Yeah. Okay, there's another card. Ooh, there we go. Right. Oh. Oh. If you could improve one thing in the NHS, what would it be? <laughs> um, that's, that, that's, your bills, that's easy, pay. You know, I totally back the strikes, what the, the nurses and doctors are doing. They do such a great job under extreme pressure. Uh, and I know, because you know, mm-hmm. I've used the NHS a lot over the, ter- over the time, uh, for obviously for my testing the cancer, uh, for the kids being born, uh, some of my, my kids have got some health issues as well, so we've used the NHS a lot for them. Uh, I've used it for mental health services back in the past. So they do an amazing job. I think uh, a lot of us, we don't take it for granted. Well, do we? We probably do. You know, you, you see the NHS get slagged off quite a lot, saying, no, they, they didn't do this, they should do this. But that's not the people working in the NHS. That's, mm. the, that's the overall structure of it. Mm. If that could be improved with pay, that we can attract lots more nurses, doctors, um, to do the job, then I think it would improve definitely. So yeah, mm. pay definitely. Mm. Oh, you know, I really saw. I read this question. I read it wrong. What have you got? Well, it actually says, "Who are your three fantasy dinner guests?" Well, I thought it was going to say, "What are your three fantasies?" <laughs> but uh, this that's is, a whole this different is, podcast. Yeah, this isn't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, who are your three fantasy dinner guests, and why? God, blimey! Um, well, your oyster. This is tricky on a quick fire. Isn't it is, it? isn't it? Yeah. Um, I would have to say Bobby Moore, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, God rest his soul, um, because great footballer, uh, obviously led England to the only trophy we're probably ever going to win in my lifetime. But also, did you know before he had bowel cancer, he had testicular cancer? No, Not a lot of people know that. Yeah, so no. Bobby Moore, I, well, he kept that really quiet. Mm. Um, so I'd, you'd love to chat to him at dinner. Um, mm. I would then say probably Henry the Eighth. As to say, are you mad having six wives? One's enough. <laughs> Why did you have six? Yeah. Looking um, um, for punishment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no, I'm fascinated by the, the Tudor period as well. So mm. I'd love to chat to him about that. Uh, and, um, God, who would be the other one? Uh, Rick Mao. Mm. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Grew up with watching him on uh, The Young Ones mm. and Bottom. Absolutely mm. think he's a comedy genius. Mm. Uh, died far too young, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, we'd just love to, because I think he'd just make the whole dinner absolutely with war with laughter. Mm. Uh, just a very, very, very funny character. Yeah, so that'd be my three fantasy. Is that, is that all right? I've done that right, fantasy. Yes, yeah, that's great. Yeah, and that yeah. sounds like a real eclectic yeah. mix and a very interesting dinner party. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Right, here we go. Um, what is the best advice someone has given you? Ooh, I would probably say, um, I can't think who, I can't, I remember someone telling me this though, it's, it's probably, um, live for today, because who knows what tomorrow brings. So, um, yeah, it's probably the best advice I've been given, and, and it's proven right in my life, sadly, as we, as we know about, obviously, with my mum and dad, and, mm. you know, and also having a cancer diagnosis, so yeah, that's, um, probably the best advice I've been given is live for today, mm. yeah, because you just don't know what, what tomorrow brings. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I do plan ahead. I'm a planner, but I am a firm believer as well that if you want to do something in life, just do it. Mm. You know, um, yeah. There's there's no obstacles in the way. Only yourself can put obstacles in the way mm. of doing something. It yeah. gives you a new take on life, doesn't it? Definitely. Your experiences. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Carpe diem. Yeah. Right. What is the weirdest thing you have ever done? Um. I suppose it's uh. Cool, blimey. Uh, weirdest thing I've ever done. Uh, it's probably it probably is the testicle check on this morning, because yeah, that was probably the weirdest thing I have ever done. Is yeah, I mean don't get me wrong. When they asked me, I said yeah I'll do it straight away because obviously I wanted to break the stigma of it being embarrassing news. But God, I was nervous. Yeah, mm. <laughs> it was it was very nerve wracking. As you can imagine, it's going out to millions of people yes. on, on TV. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean you don't obviously don't show everything you just see me checking the testicle you hold the the other bit up yeah out of the way of the camera but um yeah that's probably yeah. The, the weirdest thing i've ever done and i think a lot of my family and friends will probably say that as well especially when i watched it on a 50 inch tv <laughs> screen yeah so but a proud moment a sure. proud moment of yeah a, a proud moment that did make a difference yeah so yes. yeah yeah and it really did for that one gentleman yeah and that's that's what made it made yeah. it all worthwhile yeah definitely it? yeah yeah what was the last coming, one coming down oh no there's another two is it yeah what do people assume about me that is not true? Um, well, I suppose this is, I think people assume that I'm always funny and happy and happy-go-lucky and I'm the soul of the party, life soul of the party, but that's not always true. Um, I have suffered from mental health in the past. Um, that's purely to do with my, losing my mum and dad and having my own cancer diagnosis. Um, so yeah, I've, um, I've suffered badly in the past from self-harming. Uh, from obsessive compulsive disorder um i was I was in a dark place and yeah thankfully i got help again from the nhs thankfully and um they i had some cognitive behavioral therapy treatment and managed to get over my my uh, mental health issues and that but yeah i think you know and i still have times where I, i'm very anxious and i feel very stressed at times so but i've learned to con learn to live with that and i learned to control it so i think yeah people assume that i'm just happy all the time and cracking jokes all the time but uh, I'm not always like that you know I do I do sometimes suffer from stress and anxiety but mm. thankfully I can manage it now yeah and you yeah. recognize the signs in yourself you know when, when those those times are happening so you know to put those strategies in place and, yeah. and, and reach out for support if that's also what you yeah, need definitely. as we yeah. have here at Healthwatch Essex with our information guidance service we can signpost you to 
you know, to supportive areas as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, the, you know, go, sorry, go back to some advice as well that someone's given out, what I said earlier. I think also one of the biggest bits of advice I've ever been told is talk. Mm. Literally that mm. one word is just talk. It's good to yeah, talk. Exactly, as BT yeah. used to say, didn't yes. they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the younger people listening, you probably won't know that catchphrase from the BT adverts, but for us older generation, yeah, that yeah. was their catchphrase. <laughs> it, is. it is, indeed. That's so much truth in that. And then just for our last question, it is, what would be the title of your life story? Cool, blow. obviously my book, I've got the title, which is called One Lump or Two anyway. Um, so I think probably, even that, obviously that that sums it up perfectly. Mm. But, um, oh yeah, I'm just, um, just trying to think really. That'd be a great title. I think it is, yeah, I think yeah. we'll stick with that. Yeah, One Lump or Two. One Lump or Two. Yeah, One Lump mm. or Two, yeah. I look forward to reading the book. Well, Darren, thank you so much for being you know, so frank and sharing your story. And it's it's really valuable, obviously, you sharing and, and educating us all about testicular cancer. So it's been an absolute pleasure um, chatting with you today. That's no, my so pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me in. And uh, just anyone listening, if you want any advice or you want to know more about testicular cancer or ovarian cancer, you know, please pop on the Robin Cancer Trust website, which is the robincancertrust.org. We've got loads of information on there. You can download free resources as well. But now, thanks so much to everyone at Health Watch Essex. Keep up the great work you guys do as well. Thank you.